0: Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.
2: Your voice, your vote, 2016. I have supported the fight for 15. There's nothing like a Trump rally, folks.
3: Daily in depth coverage with Doug Wright on KSL News Radio. You know, I'm just reading right now the uh, crawls that are on the various national news channels, whether it's Fox or. CNN, this one, Trump dismisses that he needs GOP unity. This one, Trump says he can win the White House without unifying the Republican Party. This one, you know, I love debt. We can't default on our debt. This person said we can't default because we print the money. Uh, It just kind of almost leaves you uh, uh, speechless. Uh, By the way... Uh, Paul Ryan has indicated that he will step down as the chair of the upcoming convention in Cleveland if Donald Trump asks him to. He's probably praying for that. (laughs) Please don't make me be chairman of this uh, deal. Okay, let's bring you up to date. On some of the things unfolding when it comes to the uh, Democrats right now, I mentioned that Bernie Sanders had indicated uh, that he would not absolutely slam the door on becoming Hillary Clinton's vice presidential pick. Uh, He was asked about this, and he said that uh, he would talk about it with her after the convention. By the way, Bernie Sanders is the longest-serving independent in the United States Senate. And, of course, right now he is uh, labeled as a democratic socialist. It is impossible for him to win enough pledged delegates. It remains uh, possible, if unlikely, that Clinton might not win the 2,383 delegates. Now, that would be incredible because she only has to get 17% of the remaining delegates. But is it a statistical possibility? It is a statistical possibility, but it is not likely. And uh, the Clinton campaign and her supporters, they have tried very, very hard unsuccessfully so far to push Sanders out of the race, asked if uh, he would be focusing now his fire more on Donald Trump than on Hillary Clinton. He said, no, I'm going to basically level my sights at both of them. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted on Friday that, quote, Crooked Hillary has zero leadership ability. As Bernie Sanders says, she has bad judgment. Constantly playing the woman's card, it is sad. And then uh, Trump said, you know, basically I've never said that about Hillary Clinton. You read that tweet, that's nothing that I have ever said about Hillary Clinton, he told Wolf Blitzer. Well. (laughs) Who knows who's saying what? Uh, it It is absolutely incredible right now. Over the weekend, too, Donald Trump said this.
2: I believe I won him or helped him yeah. win five states that he was going to lose. Sounds like you think he primers, was ungrateful. Okay?
3: You think he's been ungrateful?
2: He, he was. He was ungrateful, which is OK. A lot of people are ungrateful, but he was <laughs> ungrateful. He did not. They did not respond accordingly. And that's OK.
3: That's uh, Donald Trump talking about. Mitt Romney being ungrateful for the five states that he would have lost, but Donald Trump swooped in and saved for him. Boy, I'd like to see the statistics and the proof on that. And again, remember what, uh, what Speaker Ryan said last week. So it's interesting that he is saying now that if Donald Trump asks him to, he will step down as the chairman of the convention. Uh, I'm just
2: not ready to do that at this point. I'm not there right now. Uh, and I hope to, though, and I want to, but I think what is required is that we unify this party.
3: He's talking about the endorsement of uh, Donald Trump, and I've already uh, shared with you some of the very reluctant endorsements that are coming about. <laughs> Boy, you know, some of them are just uh, kicking and uh, screaming out there. I wanted to, uh, to mention a little bit, uh, Mitt Romney has expressed real dismay over the presidential choices, but has made it clear again over the weekend that uh, while some voters may you know, feel they need to look for a third party, he quickly ruled out running himself. It's interesting that William Crystal, the editor of the Weekly Standard magazine, has uh, met with uh, Mitt Romney. He's met with others searching for a candidate to make an independent bid, and uh, how successful Might he be? Well, who knows? And the track record of third parties in our country, well, they they do not fare well. And usually the disaffection that a third party has with a particular person or a particular party tends to assure that the other party wins, as was the case in 1912 when Theodore Roosevelt and the Bull Moose Party assured that Woodrow Wilson would win win over Taft, which indeed did happen. And the other real strong third-party candidacy uh, pretty much cost George Herbert Walker Bush the election in 1992 and assured that we would have, um, uh, at that time, Bill, Bill Clinton. Now, what's going to happen tomorrow? Let's deal with this very quickly here on Your Voice, Your Vote. There will be presidential primaries in West Virginia and Nebraska. Nebraska's primary is only for Republicans. Democrats, you might recall, had uh, a caucus on March 5th. There are 36 Republican delegates in the state With the uh, statewide winner receiving all of them, both of the Republicans and Democrats will be in West Virginia going to the polls. 34 Republican delegates and 37 uh, delegates are up for grabs on the Democratic side of the aisle. Republicans in West Virginia will award 22 at-large delegates, nine delegates based on the winner of the state's three congressional districts and three Republican National Committee unpledged delegates. Uh, Clinton will enter Tuesday's contest with 2,228 delegates, 155 short of the number needed to secure the nomination. Sanders has 1,454. Trump has 1,068 delegates. He's 169 delegates short of the 1,237. Assuming that he takes all of Nebraska and West Virginia's delegates, that number will go up to 1,138. Then he is less than 199 short of the nomination threshold but listen to how much is still up for grabs there are 28 republican delegates available in May 17th Oregon primary there are 44 up for grabs in the Washington primary on the 24th of May but you combine those numbers not quite enough to push trump over the edge meaning that on June 7th the primaries in California Montana New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota, Dakota. that should, barring something that is beyond imagination, will give him the official nomination. Polling in West Virginia, by the way, shows Sanders edging Clinton 45 to 37 percent. And then on the Republican side, we're looking at numbers now before Senator Ted Cruz and Ohio Governor John Kasich exited the race, Trump still had a very strong lead In West Virginia, outpolling Cruz and Kasich, 61% to 22 and 14%. We will continue to keep a very, very close eye on uh, what will be unfolding. And you know, you look at how now Donald Trump, and after the Hillary Clinton ad last week, I can see why he's doing this. He's saying, oh, all we have to do to run ads against Hillary Clinton is to pull what Bernie Sanders has said about her. Well, it ain't nothing compared to what has been said against Donald Trump that is being used in Clinton ads.
2: I am a unifier. We're going to be a unified party. He is a con
3: artist. A phony. Donald Trump is the know-nothing candidate. Donald is a bully. This is an
2: individual who mocked a disabled reporter. Ah, oh, I don't remember! Who attributed a reporter's questions to her menstrual cycle. Blood coming out of her, wherever. The most vulgar person to ever aspire to the presidency. The man who seems to only feel big when he's trying to make other people look small.
1: Don't worry about it a little, Marco. Gentlemen, the man is utterly angry.
2: The sign of deep insecurity and weakness. The bullying, the greed, the showing off. I'm really rich. The misogyny. The absurd third-grade theatrics. Count to ten, Donald. Count to ten. He's a race baiting xenophobic, religious bigot. A narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. He would not be the commander-in-chief we need to keep our country safe. This guy is so unfit to be commander-in-chief. His domestic policies would lead to recession. His foreign policies would make America and the world less safe. i bring people together.
0: Everybody loves me. He's got he needs he needs therapy.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. And not one of those voices was a democrat. Every single voice was a prominent republican. Incredible. Truly is incredible. It is 10:15 here at KSL News Radio. Well, over the weekend, there was a uh, relatively uh, big movie at the box office Captain America's Civil War. How big was it? That's coming up. Doug Wright. Doug
1: Wright interrupting everything to cover breaking
3: news. You'll hear it first on KSL News Radio. Well, over the weekend, there was a little movie out. You may have heard of it. Captain America Civil War and it uh, did quite well at the box office but listen to this you know more and more people are talking about Disney in general and their reign right now they um, point out the success of Zootopia which just absolutely killed it at the box office The Jungle Book which also absolutely killed it at the box office. And then, back a little bit uh, further in the rear view mirror, Star Wars The Force Awakens. And now, Captain America Civil War over the weekend, an estimated $182 million. And an additional $496.6 million overseas. So Disney has now had the number one movie in the United States and Canada 11 of the last 21 weeks, and some box office analysts predict that Civil War will remain the top draw for the next couple of weeks, and after that, the only thing that could dethrone it is another Disney movie, Alice Through the Looking Glass. And then, not long after that, Disney is going to release one of the summer's most anticipated movies, Finding Dory, the sequel to Pixar's Finding Nemo. As I was looking at uh, the numbers for Captain America, I couldn't help but wonder how we did here locally. And of course, I immediately thought of our friends at the Megaplex Theaters, and we have the supreme leader, the big kahuna of the Megaplex Theaters. We have Blake Anderson on the line with us right now. Blake, how you doing? Very good, Doug.
1: You're too kind. Thank you very much.
3: Hey, I've got to know, how did you guys fare this weekend with Captain America?
1: Wow, what a weekend. Holy cow. You know, it, um, it, it as you mentioned, any Disney movie in our market does very, very well. So we knew that uh, this was going to perform well for us, but it was just off the charts. um uh, Everyone's loving it. This is, you know, I think some people were surprised because of the title, the Captain America Civil War. It's really, uh, you know, and and I don't want to, no spoiler here, but it's really uh, another Avengers movie. So it's it's gone over very well.
3: Boy, I I lost count of the superheroes in in the movie. And even new ones, like uh, the new Marvel superhero Black Panther in here. And then, boy, talk about the new uh, spin Uh, or the new web surrounding Spidey, that was amazing, too. The fans were going nuts at the uh, screening I saw.
1: They really are. And, you know, we were honored to be able to run the marathon uh, out at our district theater where, where we showed all of them. And those are diehard fans, and so as they came out after they had sat all day through the entire marathon, and then they came out after after this uh, this movie, they were blown away. And if you can please that group, you know you have a hit on your hands. So I turned right at that moment and said, "This is big. This is really big."
3: Boy, well, no <laughs> kidding. Do you have any idea how big for the Megaplex theaters? I know with many of these big big titles, your theaters while charging much less than is the norm around the rest of the country because the measurement isn't on the number of tickets sold it's the dollar amount of tickets sold so any idea how you fared
1: we do but numbers are still coming in but we you know we had two in the the top of the country again our district location and uh jordan commons uh we're so grateful for our fans and and the volumes that that, that come to those theaters and hope that everyone had a wonderful experience there but to be able to have those two theaters place tops in the nation, like you said, with a significantly lower ticket price than the rest of the nation, just says something for our fans and for uh, Utah's in general who love love movies.
3: I can't help but wonder if it would be just a measurement on the number of tickets sold rather than the dollars that uh, came in with those tickets. Uh, yeah, I I can only imagine.
1: Sometimes I wish, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I wish they would change their formula. That's for sure.
3: Why? Absolutely. How many uh, screens did you have it on, Blake?
1: You know, uh, it played in ev- all of our uh, all eighteen theaters, and many of them had on four, five, and six screens uh, playing at a time. So, it was the movie of the weekend. Eighty-five percent of our guests were seeing that movie this weekend, so that tells you a little bit about it. And sixty-six percent of the people who see uh, who saw the movie here in Salt Lake City saw it in a megaplex theater. Yeah. So we're pretty impressive. We're pretty excited about that.
3: And I think they're right. I think this is going to fare very, very well, first of all, just because, I mean, it's kind of in a league of its own, and I think everybody wants to see it again. I want to see this again. I, I can't honestly say that, other than maybe for a little clarification with Batman v Superman, but I I want to see this movie again for kicks.
1: I would agree with you. Um, there's so many, like you said, new elements in there, and it is so fun, And uh, I think the return on this one will be very high. It's designed to be that way and uh, gets us really excited for the next one.
3: Now, here's the question. What came in number two? Was it Mother's Day?
1: Um, uh, for us, it was Jungle Book. Jungle
3: Book, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, far and beyond. And, and then Mother's <laughs> Day came, and probably because of the holiday weekend, came in number three. But Jungle Book and this market has performed really, really well, and it's another really good picture. My wife and I went to Jungle Book without any kids, and we both loved
3: it. Yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. amazing. So, you know, the, the movie that has really caught me off guard, I have to admit, was Zootopia. I I was kind of a late bloomer on that one. I wasn't able to see it in its original uh, critic screening. And when I finally caught up on Zootopia, I went, wow, this is a cool movie.
1: Yeah, I think that was a surprise one for everyone, because the title was kind of strange, and yeah. and uh, kind of came out at a weird time, but it just holds on, and everyone that's uh, seen it has just really enjoyed it. and uh, it, It's been amazing. And, and in your comments about Disney, uh, I was talking to Cal and Larry, our bookers, and They're telling me that Disney has four of the top openings of all time. Wow. If you count Star Wars, The Two Avengers, and then this one. um, That's amazing. What studio gets to claim that?
3: Boy, no kidding. And you look at the track record. You look at the run that they are on right now. And uh, what are you anticipating for Alice through the looking glass? It's a little more eclectic.
1: Yeah, that will be an interesting uh, one to see because the first one caught us off guard. We didn't expect it to do much and it was huge. Yeah. And uh, this one has Johnny Depp as a return, and uh, the people who have seen it said that it was surprisingly awesome. So uh, we're <laughs> thinking it's going to do quite
3: well. I remember how much we all love finding Nemo. And now to anticipate uh, Finding Dory, and it's been long enough now. We kind of have another generation of young moviegoers here that, you know, that will uh, be brand new to this concept if they haven't already seen Finding Nemo.
1: I think so, and you know, Finding Nemo is such a classic, and I think it's been long enough. People are excited to kind of go back and relive that. And Dory, as you know, Ellen DeGeneres is just yeah so incredibly funny. And uh, I can't walk through the, the lobby where the uh, trailer is playing and, and watch the trailer and just laugh. So yeah. I think it's going to be a very good one. And other good ones, Angry Birds, Yeah, that one could be very, uh, very interesting. The new X-Men, Ghostbusters, Independence Day. It's going to be a big summer.
3: Now, do you realize that people are going to be screening, they obviously were not thinking about moi here. They are going to be screening the X-Men movie here in about a half hour, and they left me in the dust. Oh, sorry about that. No, what can we do? (laughs) We should plan a little better, shouldn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Blake, I really appreciate you joining us today. Congratulations on just another uh, amazing showing in the national box office totals. And again, uh, it's not number of tickets, it's the dollars. And when your prices are so much lower than is the national average, that is really saying something. Congratulations. Thank
1: you, Doug, and thanks to our Megaplex fans. That really means a lot to us.
3: From the uh, Megaplex theaters this morning, the, uh, the president. Of the uh, Megaplex Theaters, Blake Anderson, with us here at KSL News Radio, where it's 10:29 halftime show. It's coming up next. I was talking with the IRS law pros at the Gillen Law Firm, and they were telling me about a business owner that had a very serious medical issue, and the IRS said that he owed them fifty thousand dollars, and they were planning on assessing that business a rather large penalty. And what's really interesting is that amount was incorrect. The IRS law pros, they stepped in, they really dug into it, they fixed those errors, and they sat down with the IRS and negotiated on behalf of their client, and they came up with an equitable settlement. The man was able to keep his business, he was able to pay off his medical bills, and needless to say, this changed his life. The IRS Law Pros of the Gillen Law Firm, they remind me always to please encourage you to call them now, to go to the website and get all the information, irslawpros.com. Don't put this off. Nothing's going to get better until you contact the IRS Law Pros at the Gillen Law Firm.
0: Right Doug Wright Show is halfway finished. Time for the most important news we've covered today. Stories we need to make time for, we cover them now on the Doug Wright Halftime Show.
3: Okay, Halftime Show, and we just got through the Mother's Day weekend, so how about if we start there? Story one. Okay. <laughs> Saw this headline, Mother's Day commercialization by the numbers. So... What are the numbers? Well, first of all, uh, it was thought that we would spend over $21 billion in the United States for Mother's Day, ranking at number two only after Christmas, well ahead of Father's Day. Now, what's the deal with that? Uh, by the way, uh, the numbers are up considerably since uh, 2009. This is just becoming bigger and bigger and bigger. And by the way, this is an ongoing complaint. You go back to 1963, and there was a big debate about, quote, all this commercialized business we now have about Mother's Day. But it goes back much, much further than that. Anna Jarvis, who founded Mother's Day in 1908, was also an outspoken critic. ...of the day's commercialization. She got Mother's Day started in 1908. By 1914, her campaign to make it an official holiday in the U.S. had succeeded. But uh, the apostrophe moved back one letter. Um, A few years later, Jarvis's campaign against the commercialization of Mother's Day was in full swing. In 1922, she supported a boycott of florists, whom she accused of raising carnation prices... ...in early May to cash in. The carnation was her mother's favorite flower, and Jarvis had made it a symbol of Mother's Day. (laughs) But they jacked up the carnation prices. By the way, she was put in the slammer a couple of years later. In later years, her campaign against the, quote, racketeers, her word, of her dear Mother's Day... ...would get her arrested for disorderly conduct when she disrupted an American War Mother's Day where they were fundraising and they were selling carnations. So this ongoing debate about Mother's Day has been going on a long, long time. By the way, the number one thing that mom wants, just to spend more time with her family. Story two. Okay, story number two. Now this one is really cool. We need a different type of music for this one. Yeah. I tell you, this really caught my attention when our Associate producer, Cassie Smith, found this this morning. A 15-year-old discovers a hidden Mayan city. Here's the story from Quebec. He used satellite photos, Mayan astronomy, and his own intuition to solve some questions about the placement of Mayan cities and to discover a new city. William Gattery lives everything Mayan. He's really into this. He was studying the Mayan constellations When he decided he would do something, he overlaid a constellation map on a map of the Yucatan Peninsula. He discovered that the known cities were exactly lined up with the stars in a major Mayan constellation. Using the same map and thought process, he noticed that the third star in the 23rd constellation he was studying was missing. Well, he found satellite images from space agencies, including NASA and also from Japan and Google Earth, and he discovered this third city where the third star of the constellation said that the city would be. And he's named his city, as of yet unexplored on the ground, the Mouth of Fire. The lost city apparently has a pyramid that is 86 meters high, as well as 30 other visible from photos structures. It's on the border with Belize. This young man is hoping to go to the International Science Fair in Brazil in 2017 and is hoping to go ahead and make this presentation. I mean, how cool is that? This kid just decided, you know what, I wonder... If you were to overlay the old Mayan constellations over the Yucatan Peninsula, and he noticed that some of those discovered cities lined up with points on the constellation, but then he saw one that was missing, and there it was. Story three. Okay, story number three. (laughs) Okay, when I was much younger, one of my favorite characters of all time on Saturday Night Live, yes, this person.
2: Isn't that special?
3: The church lady. Dana Carvey, one of my favorite characters of all time. And with the political climate that we are in, the church lady, well, she was there this past weekend.
2: My first guest is someone I've talked about quite a bit here on Church Chat, but we've never actually met face-to-face. Please welcome Satan. (laughs)
1: actually just call me Ted Cruz
2: Oh, I'm terribly sorry about that That's I was okay. just quoting one of your colleagues, Teddy Don't get in a bunch, you know, John Boehner Speaker of the House
0: Oh, sure, no, John's always coming up with hilarious nicknames for me, like Buster or Son of a Gun
2: I believe the phrase was Lucifer in the Flash. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different than Buster <laughs> And now you've quit the race entirely, why, what, what, why, do you, why do you think it didn't work out?
1: Well, church lady I suppose the American people weren't ready for a candidate with strong Christian values. Someone like me who follows the righteous path and lives his faith every blessed moment.
2: Has anyone ever told you that you're just a little preachy?
3: (laughs) (laughs) The church lady. But uh, not only did uh, Satan or Lucifer in the flesh or Ted Cruz appear with the church lady, but yes... The Donald was there too.
2: Please welcome the Tangerine Tornado, Donald J. Trump. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. Uh, hi, Donnie. Have a seat. Look at you. Hey, church lady. It's great to be here. Yes. Your place looks tremendous. Believe me, this is one classy, fun house. Actually, this is what we call a church. Something tells me that you're not a big churchgoer. Oh, I'm a big church guy. I'm there mm-hmm. all the time. Sometimes I go, even when it's not church day. Mm-hmm. Wow, what a, what a well-put statement. Um, does Donnie ever take a gander at the Holy Scripture? Honestly, I love all the books in the Bible, mm-hmm. I do. They're all terrific. What? Corinthians, part two. <laughs> Book of Revelations. Two Genesis, two Furious. Which says, and I quote, Love thy neighbor as thyself. And like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and then Ted Cruz came back with Donald Trump and the church lady, and it got a little raucous, but, oh, man. I t- this is so... F- I, j- just hearing this again brings back so many fond memories. My
2: first guest is someone I've talked about quite a bit here on Church Chat, but we've never actually met face-to-face. Please welcome Satan. Satan.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that does it for the uh, halftime show here at KSL News Radio. Church Lady with Trump and Cruz, the kid that discovered a hidden Mayan city. How cool is that? And the over commercialization of Mother's Day. This has been going on <laughs> since the very beginning. There you have it, halftime show. Great to have you along on today's Doug Wright show here at KSL News Radio. There's uh, something interesting that is afoot right now, and it's in the National Park Service. And we we all know that there, uh, well, at least I, you've probably heard that there's eleven billion dollars worth of ongoing maintenance that needs to be accomplished within our national parks. Nine billion dollars. I mean, no, excuse me, $11 billion. $11 billion. Yeah, a billion here, a billion there. Pretty soon you're talking some serious money. So the national parks are looking at almost anything that they can do to try to help that situation and kind of hit some of these uh, dire needs that are in our national parks, which some argue that we're almost loving those parks uh, to death. And you look at, boy, I have not been... It's probably been about three years. I've been to Bryce, and I've been to Capitol Reef, and I've been to some of other national parks, but I haven't been to Zion for a while. And almost everybody that I talk to who has been in Zion National Park recently has said, good grief. You practically have to take a number to get on on one of the the trails to go to Angels Landing, for example, and, you know, Slot Canyon permits, all kinds of things, uh, buses just constantly running. In the past, uh, parking would at least put some kind of a a ceiling on those who could uh, be in the park at any given time. Now with the shuttle buses just constantly running, that is not the case. And it's um, not quite the experience that it used to be. And then the wear and tear on the parks is really remarkable. So here's something that the National Park Service is doing. Now, now there have always been very philanthropic folks who have stepped up and they have made substantial donations and sometimes a little plaque or something that is put somewhere. But the commercialization, they've really tried to keep this to a minimum trying to keep the the advertisements things of that nature at somewhat of a minimum. Over the last little while they have opened up a few sponsorships. Uh, for example, Coca-Cola, not you know they're they're not putting outdoor billboards or anything grandiose, but there are some official type sponsorships that have been available in a very limited way within the national parks. There is and by the way, That may seem a little benign on the surface, but uh, take, for example, a case that happened just recently. The national parks, um, in some areas, they've decided to ban plastic water bottles. Well, guess who who got upset by that? One of their major sponsors, Coca-Cola, who bottles Dasani water. And so all of a sudden, because of the sponsorship, because of the advertising, basically – there was considerable pressure put on the park not to do this. Was it Grand Canyon? I'm trying to remember. So <laughs> when when you open the doors for these major sponsorships and things like that, there can be, other than the actual advertising presence itself, there are many who are concerned that perhaps there could be undue pressure put on the national parks to do certain things that are favorable to to the sponsors rather than favorable to those who attend the parks. But they're thinking of now actually expanding this, going, yeah, okay, it's okay to be a purist. It's okay to say, no, we'll have no commercialism or very little commercialism within the national parks. But the point is, there's $11 billion worth of maintenance that needs to be done. This is stuff we're behind on right now. And it's getting worse all the time. And with some of these sponsorships, the thinking is that there could be some of these repairs, some of these maintenance uh, items, some of these things could happen. Several examples have been given that uh, might be relatable to those in the state of Utah. again, theoretically, things would be somewhat discreet. But you think of the shuttle buses right now. What if uh, the shuttle buses were to be wrapped like a i mean a bus is kind of a foreign thing within the national parks anyway theoretically it's not one of the natural wonders let's put it that way well there are already certain types of signage on the buses there are different things advising safety things well what if we went a little bit deeper into that and allowed the shuttle buses to be sponsored what if there were other things maybe instead of a very subtle uh plaque that is out there. Maybe there would be something a little more obvious. Uh, again, hopefully with the, within the actual uh, vehicles themselves, perhaps advertising on particular vehicles and within the lodges, within the gift shops, which are already commercial uh, already. Naming rights, for example, of certain venues. Uh, naming rights for. Something theoretically that wouldn't be one of the, you know, like uh, it's the, uh, the, the vivant, you know, great white throne, or it's the, you know, what, uh, you know, Rio Tinto, what would be great, uh, the, <laughs> I mean, think of all these things. But with all of the care and all of the maintenance that needs to be done, within our national parks, I'd actually like to have you chime in on this. We might have a chance to jump in even a little deeper into this. We have put in some phone calls to those, and there are groups that are advocates of it with many, many uh, restrictions. There are those that are adamantly against it. I mean, what do you want to do, you know? Uh, walk up to Old Faithful and have some big placard that said, Old, Old Faithful's eruptions today brought to you by the sparkling water of what, whatever. Or, you know, I mean, use your imagination. So I, I'll be interested to get your response on this. And at the same time, while it's really easy to say no, and boy, believe me, I can see the argument for it. I mean, where does this begin? Where does it end? But at the same time, $11 billion that we are already in the hole when it comes to things that need to be done within our national parks. So it's easy to say no, but where do we raise the money? How do we protect the national parks? How do we make sure that they are pristine, that they are safe, that they are properly marked, that there are safety features? Uh, I'm just asking. Like I said, it's really easy for the purists to say no to this. But what do we say yes to? Is it a tax increase, greater fees, limiting the number of people that be, can be, in the, and that already happens to a certain degree? I'm just curious. All right, it is e ten fifty eight here at KSL News Radio. Let's go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, we've got much more in store for you all here at KSL News Radio on the Doug Wright Show.